I think burlesque is one of the most glamorous and sensual forms of self-expression. Some people that come to our burlesque or striptease classes would tell me after the class that, oh my goodness, like I never thought I'd be able to do this. They cannot imagine that they would be able to get out of that comfort zone and to be able to express themselves that way. Hey, it's Jasmine, and you're listening to I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast on sex from an Asian perspective, or from those who have lived or are currently living in Asia. On today's episode, I will be speaking to Madame Rouge, who founded Thailand's first authentic neo-blessed company. We spoke about the importance of consent and female empowerment and how she uses the art of burlesque and striptease to do just that. This is a special episode collaboration with the Sugar and Spice Festival, a virtual sexuality festival featuring Asian voices and narratives, which happens from March 23rd till 27th. Get your tickets from the website sugarandspice.asia today. Hey everyone, welcome to I Wish Someone Told Me with Jasmine and today I am very, very honoured to be in the presence of Madame Rouge. She runs the first ever authentic neo-burlesque company in Thailand and I'm really excited because, you know, the, the thing about burlesque that I know of is the movies and the shows that I watch and it's so sexy, it's so sensual. I just really love it and I wanted to know more and I'm so excited to have Madame Rouge on board. Hi, Madame Rouge, how are you today? Thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, Jasmine. I'm great. I'm doing really good. And thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for saying yes to this. I was so excited when you said yes. And very quickly, too, so I'm like, yes, I have you. Uh, so, yeah, Madame Rouge, introduce to everyone, who are you, what do you do, and where are you from? So, I'm known as Madame Rouge. Uh, I was born in Hong Kong, and I was raised in Canada and America. And now I live in Bangkok in Thailand. I founded Madame Rouge, which is the first authentic burlesque troupe, but now it's expanded into more of an events company, and we do all kinds of weird, sexy, and themed shows and parties. And this past year, I've actually also built a physical space in the heart of Bangkok, and it's called Maison Rouge. And it's primarily a women-focused space where we have regular events and workshops and talks and classes all revolving around sexual positivity and women empowerment. And that's why when you reached out to me, I jumped on the chance and I thought, this is perfect. Yeah, it is. It sounds really cool too. How's the reception like when you started this whole, um, the classes and stuff? So actually we did, uh, when we were not doing, when we, I didn't have the physical space, I was only performing and we were, we had regular shows at certain clubs. We would do private events and it, it is it's something new for a place like Bangkok. Um, it's more conservative out here. They hadn't heard of this. And so people didn't know what burlesque actually meant, but the reception is great. Of course, generally, a lot of our customers are expats or tourists, but we do also get a lot more um, the Thai people that 
are more open-minded. And now that we have a physical space, um, some of my dancers do teach uh, dance classes such as burlesque, chairlesque, or striptease. And we are getting pretty good response. A lot of people, especially around this time during COVID, to have something that makes women feel more confident and more empowered is something that you know everybody's looking for right now in this uncertainty yeah and and that's that's like a conversation that we'll be having in a bit about you know about burlesque being empowerment and how do we sort of balance between having it to be an empowering thing versus you know the idea of objectifying women you know that sort of that sort of conversation which we'll have in in a few questions um you said that you grew up and you were you were from hong kong and you grew up in the u.s and canada how was conversations on sex and sexuality like when you were growing up how's that today and how has that changed you as an adult today well i was born in hong kong so i did grow up with chinese parents pretty traditional Chinese parents. So I don't actually remember getting the birds and the bees talk ever. Um, I do remember though, when I was sexually active as a young and rebellious teenager, um, my mom, instead of preventing me from having sex and trying to scare me or shame me, she knew my personality too well. She knew that if she just told me no, I would have gone and done it anyways. So I remember very well that she sat me down one day and just um, gave me some condoms. And she basically told me I was going to do it anyways. Um, What I need to at least do is learn how to be safe and that it's my responsibility to protect my own body instead of expecting guys to care, especially guys at that age that's similar in age to me of course they don't care about that stuff so but after that everything I learned like a lot of people I guess is just pretty much trial and error you know and honestly I think when you're so young and naive self-conscious and that age when you're super vulnerable a lot of girls are just really eager to please. And so I don't think that's the best or safest way to learn about sex. Uh, honestly, I think it's like a really dangerous way to just figure it out yourself. Mm. And that's why we need proper sex education for our society to be able to accept sex as an integral part of life, you know, so that we can talk about it freely and it's not something that's taboo. So I think in many ways, women might have been able to avoid a lot of the bad things from happening to us if we were simply taught about consent or grooming or even how to say no when we feel uncomfortable or pressured. And in, back when I was young, that wasn't a thing, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that didn't even become a popularized thing until the me too movement came about and that is like just such an important movement um because now at least everybody talks about consent you hear that word thrown around right everywhere i mean in asia we still have like 
a lot, lot longer to go before we understand that concept. But that movement has definitely begun to like cross oceans and people are talking about it. Yes, we still have a long ways to go compared to Western cultures where they, you know, they start them very young and they are much more open about it. But at least it's something, it's a, it's a start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely been really open. I think like ever since me personally, as a as someone who heavily is in sex education, you know, back in the day, I, mine was always, you know, would people, what the misconception of sex education, that you're only teaching kids how to have sex, you're teaching people how to have sex, have sex, but it's more than that, right? It's expanded to talking about consent, talking about boundaries, talking mm-hmm. about safe and unsafe touches, healthy and unhealthy relationship. So the fact yeah. that we're now more open, I'm not too sure about Bangkok. Exactly. I mean, I'm not too sure about Thailand and and Hong Kong, but I mean, definitely in Malaysia, there was a lot of stigma. And now people are more open about it, which I'm very, very happy. And I'm quite, I feel quite positive. Of the yeah, I mean, it's, for example, out here, it's still about, we're still talking about consent and boundaries and stuff. But like, maybe we're nowhere near talking about gender fluidity and all that mm. yet. you know so it's it's step by step but at least starting at the beginning any kind of moving forward is good it's a good thing when you said that your mom sort of told you about condoms how old were you that time when she had that (laughs) conversation I was 14 so I just like that was when I first had my first boyfriend lost my virginity um but I, that's the thing, though, if, as a parent, right? I mean, I'm not a parent. But for parents, maybe you think your 14-year-old baby is still a baby. But maybe they're not. So it's, there's no such thing as, like, too early to start them in these kind of conversations. And even when I use the words birds and the bees talk, that's so old-fashioned, <laughs> right? Like, birds and the bees is basically just telling you where babies come from. That's not even... Sex education should not just be about where babies come from. It's so much, so much more than that. Um, yeah. I want to get into it the whole is. story behind Madame Rouge. What is the story? How did Madame Rouge became Madame Rouge? And what about burlesque that interests you? That'll be interesting to sort of get into. Yeah, so my Madame Rouge is my stage name and my work persona. Um, but that only really came about when I started my burlesque company in Bangkok. But my burlesque journey started way longer before that. I mean, I was um, I was always like some, one of those people that loved to dance. I loved to sing and I love fashion and makeup. You know, I love to be the center of attention. And so. I ended up actually studying in um, fashion design in Los Angeles. And I was obsessed with the vintage 1940s and 1950s era. And I love the pinup style. And that actually led me to burlesque. Mm. Because pinup and burlesque has, like, of course, a lot of overlaps. They're both very sexy and they're both vintage art forms. 
And I was just super drawn to the femininity of it, the glitz and the glam. And of course, like the tease. Uh, and it's everything that I love, you know, put together. That's why I also love drag. It's another thing that I'm really obsessed with. It's because it's it's also, it's very similar to burlesque. It's one of the most glorious. Yeah, I think burlesque is one of the most glamorous and sensual forms of self-expression. So, um, yeah, so I've always been into it and I tried it out when I was living in Los Angeles. And it's one of those things where um, some people that come to our burlesque or striptease classes would tell me after the class that, oh my goodness, like I never thought I'd be able to do this. Um, like I wouldn't even do this in front of my partner. They've never seen me this sexy, but you know, they just feel so empowered because they, they cannot imagine that they would be able to get out of that comfort zone and to be able to express themselves that way. So it is one of those things where it's once you try it, you know, I mean, not, it's not for everyone, but it, it's that being on stage, being the center and every, all eyes on you, that kind of feeling, it is very empowering and it is very addicting and you'll get hooked. It's like something that you can't really describe with just words. Do you get a lot of um, plus size women coming in to learn about burlesque? Um, yes, we do. We do. We have women of all sizes that come and learn about burlesque. And like I said, we also have other forms of all like similar uh, forms of art and dance classes. And yeah, we have we have women of all sizes. We've been at twer- twerking. Oh, that was really that was really fun, but so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, we have we are it, we have uh, we also have men sometimes mm-hmm. that come in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was asking because like I'm like plus size so I'm just like Ooh, what are the fun ways to really sort of you know really embody and sort of express my sexuality and feeling confident so I always thought that burlesque is like such a great way to yeah. exude that and you're doing it in a space where you know your sensuality and your sexuality is celebrated which is cool and it's very body positive mm burlesque it's all about and i mean everybody looks great in a corset yeah <laughs> just once you put a corset on you'll feel immediately you'll feel better about your you'll feel confident like your posture is better you know it's just it's fun it's fun to play dress up sometimes it is especially when you're stuck in like at home with COVID and stuff and you're just like what are the ways for me to sort of dress up and feel really nice speaking of COVID. How has the game changed for your in, for the industry for for Madame Rouge? Well, COVID is obviously has hit us pretty hard as the entertainment industry. But to be honest, um, I am really lucky. First of all, that I live in Bangkok in Thailand, and Thailand has handled the situation really 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 well so we've actually had way more freedom than most places in the world to be able to continue our lifestyle of course there's still a lot like i mean without tourism um a lot more restrictions on nightlife it does put like um, a huge huge damper on things but uh also 
But if it wasn't because of COVID, I would not actually have opened up Maison Rouge, mm. the space for women that I have now. It all came about because of COVID. Uh, that whole this whole space is from being on a lot of um, women's only groups, you know, like Facebook groups and stuff. Just hearing every day, I would hear stories about people that are separated from their partners or people that just feel gross because they're you know lonely and like self-conscious and they feel ugly or just all these different things and that's when I realized it's really needed you know an actual physical space as much as it's nice you know to go out and watch a show and to perform and then after the show people will come up to us and tell us how great they feel or how they can like come and learn but to actually have a physical space and to do more than just the performer performance aspect or to the dancing aspect to be able to do workshops and give talks that is um that's been that's been really really wonderful and that all came about because of covid so i can't complain mm. you know one door closes another one opens i was wondering actually i wanted to ask this earlier but then it kind of slipped my mind why why bangkok like why why do the the company we started in Bangkok instead of any other different states like Hong Kong for example? Oh well, because I love it here. I, I moved here first before I started all of it. Um, but I also it's like it's just a fascinating city. It's like in this perfect position where it this has, hasn't happened yet. They're not like they're just going through these changes. The younger generation is just beginning to open up more and be more curious and to like fight the power and you know what they were taught so it's actually the perfect time to be in a city like Bangkok it's very much like it's very much in this like beginning stages of becoming everything that like, all these big big first world metropolis cities are becoming so there's a lot of opportunities right now I mean most places I can go to there probably is already burlesque it's not like a new thing but surprisingly when I came to Bangkok I found out that it's it's not a thing or people have tried but haven't succeeded maybe because of timing maybe because they were here and they tried too early on when people weren't ready yet to accept all this or maybe they weren't doing I don't know the right ways but it's yeah the place and the time for me just happened to be perfect yeah and so when I found out that there was this opportunity I just jumped on it yeah and how long have you have you been doing it's a Maison Rouge right so Maison Rouge happened during COVID but Madame Rouge the actual burlesque troupe uh happened two years before okay so I was doing that for about a couple years I've only been here for four years Mm. (laughs) yes Speaking about burlesque and just earlier, I was talking about, you know, this sort of balance between it being an empowerment, a way to empower women versus a way to objectify women. In your opinion, do you think that burlesque or any form of sexy sort of entertainment like pole dancing or striptease, is it an act of objectifying women or does it empower them? How do you find the balance? How, How do you balance the fine line between the two? It's funny you ask that. I get asked this question a lot. 
every time I do an interview, everybody, because of burlesque, it's just a highly debated topic. And honestly, I love answering this question. I will definitely say my opinion might not be a popular opinion, but that's probably why I love answering it. So in my opinion, it has nothing to do with the art form, whether it's burlesque, pole dancing, or striptease, you know? The difference between objectification and empowerment, I think, is simply how it makes the performer feel, the person that's doing it. If they feel powerful doing it, you know? If they find joy in it, if it was their choice, then it's empowering. So even if they're at a strip club in a red light district, even if they're doing sex work, if it is something that they enjoy doing and they have control over what they're doing, then who's to say it's not empowering, right? But of course, if you ask me, if you ask me, oh, well, then should we be teaching young girls to go and show their bodies off to feeling power? Then obviously I'm going to say no, because I think empowerment is a feeling and it's very subjective. You can teach them to learn to own their sexuality, but whether burlesque or other forms of the sexual entertainment would make them feel empowered really depends on their personality, right? Uh, like someone could be very sexually open, but if they hate the stage and they hate the spotlight, then it's not for them. They're probably not going to feel empowered. Yeah. So I think part of the reason why burlesque is so intriguing is because you usually see these women on stage and they're so confident in their own skin. Like I mentioned before, it's very body positive and they absolutely love what they're doing. You know, you can see that they exude that and all eyes are on them and they are in control of every move and every reveal. That to me is what empowerment is. Great. I like what you said about how empowerment is a feeling. Just everything that you said just resonated a lot. You know, the the feeling of sort of like what you said earlier about, you know, going on stage and performing and feeling all that that just makes me miss stage so much as well. Like I remember the feeling of especially doing what you do best and feeling good at what you do, you know, whether it's on stage or like whether it's off stage yeah. or just learning something new. Just whatever makes just the move, you know. Yeah, I really, yeah. really, really love that. And even if you're not good at it, yeah, even if you're not good at it, if you're enjoying yourself, if you're having fun, then it's great. You don't have to be great at it either. Yeah, yeah as long as you love it, as long as you're happy and enjoying it. And especially when you're when you're around other people who supports you and who like tells you to go like yeah you're like fucking awesome you're like hot you're sexy whatever you're doing you know it just makes you feel good like the encouragement that you get yes and actually the burlesque scene it is it is very much like that the crowd the scene it is very like it's even if you're a first timer i feel like usually the crowd um are very receptive of that and it is exciting if when they announce, oh, this is her first performance, you know, everybody give a round of applause to this person. And then everybody's going nuts. And then the first glove that you peel off, 
and the whole room cheers that you're like whoa ooh, you know what else can I get from you (laughs) yeah it's exciting it's fun why do you think sex positivity is important in our society simple answer is it's so important because it's a natural thing it's a healthy part of life but um and also when it is deemed as something that's taboo uh whether it's like in some parts of Asia because of culture or religion or whatever reason, it it becomes dangerous. You know, people might feel guilt or shame for their own sexuality or their own sex choices. And maybe some people will get shunned or even punished if they don't fall in line with um, what's considered normal. I hate that word normal. But I think the the thing is, it's how you define sex positive, right? Because being sex positive doesn't mean that you love having sex. It can mean that you're asexual, right? It's just It just means that as long as it's between consenting people and no one else is getting harmed, then, then don't judge them. Be positive. Be supportive. Don't judge. That's all it really is. I think a lot of people just don't understand the meaning, really, of what it means. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm all about, I'm all about, yeah, consenting is the key. Consent Consent is the the key word. Yes. That is the key word. Because I am not talking about having sex with children. No, we are not positive about that. I'm not talking about having sex with animals because no, that's not, you know, like that's what people skew it. Like, oh, you know, sex positivity, you can do whatever you want. You know, we're not, no, there's one thing about kink shaming. And then there's something else like when it's not consenting, it's not consensual. So yeah. that is the key word. I mean, not even, hurting anyone else and consenting. Yeah. And even if the kid tells you, hey, I consent to everything. You're like, no, they're not. The age of consent. You They're not only now. Exactly. We are in love. No. Exactly. <laughs> and animals cannot consent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like the no one else getting harmed part. Of course you can consent to I want to get hurt. You know, that's my yeah. kink. That's fine. So in the end, you're right. Like it's all about consent. Everything's about consent. And checking in with each other. The no one getting okay harmed. Yeah. Exactly. And the no one getting harmed part is like no one else basically you know like don't worry about what other people are doing in their private lives with their (laughs) private parts doesn't concern you just yeah don't judge (laughs) don't judge uh so one of the main reasons why i interview you madame rouge is because you have a workshop where you have a class uh, i guess a workshop on sugar and spice festival so for those of you who are listening sugar and spice festival is a virtual uh, sexuality festival by asians for asians and it is happening between the 23rd until the 27th of march 2021 and this is This festival is really cool because, you know, when it comes to sex positive topics or just talking about sex in general, especially amongst Asian, it's really such a big taboo. And so this is where the festival sort of come in and provides you with Asian speakers that you can kind of listen to. And they sort of they understand where we're coming from, you know, an Asian background and stuff. So Sugar and Spice is really, really cool. And Madame Rouge actually have a workshop. So what can we expect 
from your your presentation. So your particular workshop is happening on March 23rd, 8.30 until 9.30 Singaporean or Malaysian time. What can we expect from that? So actually, I'm really excited to be part of the Sugar and Spice Festival. I have been participating, like listening as a listener to the past ones. And this time, I'm actually the very first speaker right after the opening ceremony. So because of that, we are going to be opening the festival up with a bang. Um, We are going to actually start my session with a burlesque performance by one of my dancers. And then I will speak more um, in depth about burlesque, especially in Southeast Asia, because you can Google burlesque and you can research it and you'll learn a lot about it everywhere else, you know, but I will dive deep in how that fits into our society in Southeast Asia, Uh, the struggles that I've faced in trying to bring this art form to a part of the world that is still very much conservative in a sense, particularly in a city like Bangkok, where sex tourism is huge and we're very much known for that. So I will discover how I've overcome or still trying to overcome that stigma. And hopefully we can educate people one performance or one talk at a time. Yeah. And I like that you also have a performance happening. So people can sort of know what exactly is burlesque. We hear about it. We watch it on TV. But is that really, you know, it's nice to see in real life. Something very, very interesting. So if you are interested to be part of Sugar and Spice Festival, and again, it's such an amazing festival. I I spoke in the first Sugar and Spice, so and I also was part of a panel discussion, the second one. So this is the third one. So, you know, Third time's the charm. It's going to be amazing. Um, you can go to sugarandspice.asia and you can get an all-access festival pass for $20. Um, you can also donate a pass. So if you would like to donate to a friend or if you would like to donate to someone who, you know, because they also offer free passes for people who cannot afford, they do want to learn about sex education and stuff like that. This is a great way for you to sort of give back. So... Yeah, so that's sugar and spice. And lastly, Madame Rouge is, and this is a question that I ask all of the people that I interview, all of my wonderful guests. What is the one thing you wish someone told you? Mm, what is something I wish someone have told me? I think that there's a lot of people that might resonate with this, that I can't help or save everyone. There are people that just take and take You know, they just keep taking, but they bring nothing to the table. And life's just too short to keep these people around. Um, I would surround myself with uh, people that make me feel better. And I think that's a great advice. Also, finally, if I can just give one really good advice to all the listeners out there, it would be to be selfish. Uh, put your needs and your happiness first because we are taught that being selfish is bad, right? But if you're not hurting anyone, what's so wrong with putting yourself first? Like I was telling before how my mom taught me that our body is our, it's ours to protect. 
so is our happiness. Our happiness is also our own responsibility, you know, figure out the people or things in your life that adds to that. And then those that don't, and then go from there. For example, I love what I do right now. And I love burlesque. But if one day I wake up and I realize there's nothing about it that brings me joy anymore, then maybe that will be the day that I will walk away. You know, never trap yourself into anything. Adjust and stay happy. Just live your life trying to be happy. It's easier said than done, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is easier said than done, especially when we have this, this fear that what if I disappoint people? What if I disappoint that and disappoint this, you know? And Yeah, that's that voice. Mm-hmm. That's that voice that you let in. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that says so much about Don't like, doubt yourself, you know? Yeah, that's. I mean, when you were saying that, I just thought about my previous relationship, how I was unhappy, but then I was just like, but if I break up, what if I disappoint this people, that people, that friend, you know, and all of that stuff. But I mean, just like, but I'm not happy and it's not going to serve yeah. me any purpose. It's not. Put your happiness first. Always put your happiness first. Just check in with yourself. Are you happy? Does this make you happy? Does that make you happy? You know, just constantly check in. And if you can start getting used to that, then eventually you will be happy. Yeah, it takes practice. All, you know, and then I'm, I'm at this point. Yeah, it does. But I'm at this point where if you, people that know me, I'm always happy. It's because when things that don't make me happy anymore, if I'm not happy, then I'll, I'll stop. Chuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, you still got to clean your toilet, but that doesn't really make me happy. Yeah. Um, can't win them all (laughs) I have to pick and choose so uh, do you have anything you'd like to promote and where can we find you okay um so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram both and our websites it's all the same so it's very easy to remember so Madame Rouge is our events company events side of things where we do the burlesque and our website, Facebook, and Instagram are all madamerouge.events. Easy to remember. That's M-A-D-A-M-E-R-O-U-G-E dot events. And then the other part of the business is Maison Rouge. Well, this is more a physical space, but we do also have resources online. Um, we feature the women that are a part of our Maison Rouge community, or if you ever come to Bangkok, you can always come visit us. And that also is the same for the website, Instagram, and Facebook. And that is Maison Rouge.community. Also very easy to remember. That's M-A-I-S-O-N-R-O-U-G-E dot community. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Madame Rouge, for being on the show. Thank you. I mean, hopefully I can speak to this, most of you during the Sugar and Spice Festival and yeah. you guys can see us perform. So excited. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. You're welcome.
Thanks for listening to the show. I wish someone told me is hosted and produced by Jasmine King with new episodes bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Follow I wish the pod on Instagram so you won't miss any updates and feel free to share your thoughts, reflections and aha moments from this episode. Catch you later.